welcome to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on AM Dial. It's good to have your company here, as we are here every Saturday around about midday. Um, we are the dogs. We are the defenders of government schools, D-O-G-S. Um, we're here because we need to be. Government schools in this country are under constant attack, usually from two sources, um, which are different but kind of the same. The first people that really dislike public education are people who want to make money out of it, the people who want to profit from education, the people who indulge in things like public-private partnerships, PPPs, um, and the other people who are not very interested in public education, in fact, want to um, prey upon it, like some, some people say, like a cancer, are the private school lobby, which are in Australia run almost entirely by um, religious bureaucrats and religious men and women. Um, In Australia, strangely enough, we have a bifurcated system or a trifurcated system where we have one system of education, public education, which is free, secular, universal, available to all and offensive to none. And then we have a couple of others. We have, strangely enough, a particular sect of Christianity. Uh, The Catholic sect run around about one quarter of all schools in Australia that educate the children here. Um, we're not a Catholic country, but we do spend a lot of taxpayers' money funding Catholic schools. Um, and then there's a third system, which is called the independent school system. Um, it's not really the right word, independent, because the independent school system would not survive independently if it weren't for the largesse and generosity of the Australian taxpayer. They are most definitely a dependent system, and when taxpayers' money is th- even threatened to be taken away from them, they scream and shout and roll around on the floor and have tantrums and we, the taxpayer, have to pick them up again and give them some money to make them feel better. Um, so we're the dogs. We're the ones that defend the, the public school system, the ones that's free, secular, universal, offensive to none. Um, and listen, unless, of course, you think being secular is offensive, and if you think being secular is offensive, um, then you should read the Constitution of Australia. It says being secular is actually should be what we're all about. But today on the program, after that long introduction, we're going all over the houses. Um, We're talking about public-private partnerships and how pretty much their time has come um, in the popular consciousness. We're all sick of this idea that public is bad and private is good. And Jean will be um, telling us a little bit more about that. Um, I've been promising for weeks to fill you in on, on what on earth is going on between the federal and state government when it comes to public funding. Uh, Tian, the Federal Education Minister, um, did a special deal with Victoria because Victoria, having just won an election and trounced the Liberal government, were in a very powerful political situation and they said to the federal government, no, we're not taking your crumbs, we'll have full funding for our state schools, thank you very much. And um, they put one over the federal government for six months and now the other states are jacking up about it. It's all rather interesting. Um, I'll also, as I sometimes do on the program, later on be... um, giving some financial advice to parents because I know that parents all around Australia are interested in what is the best thing to do for their child. Now, here on the Dogs Program, we talk about the children, all of the children, but sometimes when you talk about all of the children, it's important to remember what it is for the child. And many parents I know struggle with this dilemma about which school to send their child to. And it's a moral decision, but it's also a financial one. And later in the program, I'll be giving you some financial advice about which school to send your child to around Australia. And then, of course, as I always say, we're going to have our great state school, have a wonderful state school to share with you later in the program. But for now, 
After a few messages, I think we're going to start with Jane's press release. Press release number, what is it, Jane? 777. And that's not a made-up number. That's the 777th press release that Jane has written. And if you're interested in this and want to fact-check her, you can, of course, check everything we do on our website at www.adogs.info. But after this, Jane's press release. Rap with young Philly, sing with fear, breathe with Avi Misra, yodel with Suhart, and much, much more at the Watt Singers Festival, January 11 to 13 at the Abbotsford Convent. Go to watt.com.au for more info or ring 9417-1983. A 3CR supporter. Become entranced by dark and twisted soundscapes during 3CR's summer special music program Midnight Mass, featuring psychedelic trance on the darker side of the spectrum. Tune in for the forest beats, local music artist interviews, and talk of electronic music production on 3CR every Friday night during summer programming between 11pm and 1am. Good afternoon, listeners. Uh, This is Press Release 777, Public Schools in Private Partnership, Public Funds for Private School Ownership. An essential feature of public schools has always been that they've been paid for out of the public purse and remained in public ownership. A feature of private schools has always been that school assets have been paid for by private organisations, usually religious organisations, and remain in private ownership. For example, all Catholic schools are in the ownership of the Archbishop of Melbourne as a corporation sole. These assumptions have been turned on their head by recent Victorian governments. New public schools are privately owned and maintained while new private schools are paid for with public money but privately owned. So what does public mean in the real world of school building? New schools, new public schools Uh, fall under the heading of New Schools PPP and you can find them as one of the 32 Partnerships Victoria projects which have been contracted and they're worth about $30.1 billion in capital investment by the Andrews government. So $30.1 billion of Victorian taxpayers' money are going into public-private partnerships for things like the Ballarat North Water Reclamation Project, the Barwon Water Biosolids Management Project, the Bendigo Hospital, the Biosciences Research Centre Project, the Campaspe Water Reclamation Scheme, the Port Phillip Prison Contract Extension Project, the Ravenhall Prison, the Royal Melbourne Showgrounds Redevelopment, the Royal Women's Hospital Project, the Southern Cross Station, the Victorian Comprehensive Cancer Centre, the Victorian Correctional Facilities, the Victorian County Court Project, the Victorian Desalination Plant, the Western Roads Upgrade, Westgate Tunnel Project and other matters. You notice that this is partial privatisation of our water. 
think about it. It's not just our schools that are involved in this. Now, what are these PPPs? They are private-public partnerships, and what in the name of public accountability are they? The official documents tell us that. The Partnerships Victoria policy provides a framework for developing contractual relationships between the state and private sector for delivering of public infrastructure and related services through public-private partnerships. Now, one would have thought that there was private money going into this, but it's not necessarily so because there's $30. billion going into it. On the 28th of October 2015, the State Government of Victoria entered into a public-private partnership contract with Learning Communities Victoria, LCV, to finance, design, construct, and maintain 15 schools in some of Victoria's Creek growth areas. And the project had a capital value of $291 million, and it includes a 25-year operating term throughout which the LCV will maintain the school facilities. So in Victoria, a private company... Learning Communities Victoria is financing, and the question is, are they financing? They're certainly designing, constructing and maintaining for a 25-year period 15 schools in our growth areas. So who actually owns these schools during that period on who is responsible for them? Back in the day... The design, financing, construction and maintenance used to be done by the Department of Education in conjunction with the Public Works Department. Remember when we had a Public Works Department, listeners, with a lot of people getting trained through that department as apprentices? And the schools were in public ownership and control and elected politicians could be held responsible for their proper maintenance. Now... All of these responsibilities have been contracted out to LCV, Learning Communities Victoria, whoever they are. And we discover that the contracting out is even more complicated because Learning Communities Victoria, if you go up and have a look at them on the internet, comprises Amber as a sponsor. I don't know who Amber is. Clark Hopton's Clark as the architect. Wattpack as the builder, Spotless as the facilities manager, and the YMCA and Ceres as community partners. Now, schools have already been built under this first PPP scheme. In 2017, the following schools were opened. Casey Central East Primary School, Cranbourne North, Cranbourne Southwest Primary School, Cranbourne West, Heather Grove Primary School, Clyde North, Epping North Primary School, Epping North, Mernda Central Prep, Year 12 School, Mernda, including primary and secondary school components, Mernda South Primary School at Mernda, and Pakenham South West Primary School at Pakenham, Point Cook South Prep, 
Year 9 School Point Cook. That was 2017. In 2018, the following schools were opened under this um, scheme. Let's call it a scheme. Armstrong Creek Education Precinct, including Armstrong Creek Special School and Armstrong Creek Primary School. Bannockburn Prep to Year 12 School, including primary and secondary school components. North Geelong Special Developmental School, Hamlin Heights, and Torquay North Primary School, Torquay North. We're told that under this PPP scheme, the private group, Learning Communities Victoria, finance, have financed, designed, constructed and maintained. And But we're still told that the state will retain school ownership and responsibility for delivering educational services. So this means that keeping the uh, teachers in front of the, the the children in that class in those classrooms in that school are still the responsibility of the Department of Education, we assume, but not running the buildings. And what exactly does the expression school ownership mean in this context? Will the state have legal ownership, but the private sector equitable ownership? for 25 years. And what exactly is the long-term price tag on all of this for the taxpayer? That is the really big million-dollar, trillion-dollar question that we're not being told. We're being told that 30-point-something billion of our taxpayers' money is going to these private enterprises to provide these facilities, but what's the catch? And where is our money really going? The PPP saga continues with promises of 70 new school projects underway with land being acquired, designs being developed or construction underway. And funding has been provided in the 2018-19 budget for land acquisition. So who owns the land? For new schools in the municipalities of Casey, Wyndham, Hume, Milton, Whittlesea and Cardinia. So there's a lot of question marks about public funding for public-private partnerships. But listen as it gets worse. There's state funding for new private schools. Now, I'm going to leave it there and we're going to have a bit of a break so that you can think about private-public partnerships for public schools and then after a break we'll talk about state funding for new private schools. Thank you. 
Well, there you have uh, something from Nambuco, uh, Verdi, the the Hebrew slaves there. Well, are we slaves? One wonders to the private-public partnerships. Uh, The dogs have always found that the Labor Party does things by stealth. Everyone was so happy that Mr Guy didn't get into the uh, state parliament in the last state election. But in time, I think that there will be a concern about what is really going on that we're not necessarily being told about. You remember, dear listeners, just a few months ago how there were robocalls that came out of the Catholic Education Office from Mr Elder. Uh, towards the end when it looked as if the Greens weren't going to go get in <coughs> in the by-election to the north of Melbourne. He cashed in on it, but he more than cashed in on it. Now I'll tell you how he really cashed in on it because we're going to talk about state funding for Mr Andrews of new private schools. Mr Elder was concerned that the state government should give the Catholic Education Office money over the counter for not existing but new private schools. Public school supporters can take some comfort, perhaps from the fact that the state will pay for and retain ownership of the land upon which the private-public partnership schools are built because parents demanding the reopening of schools closed by the Kennett government know that public ownership of the land, if only of the land, is something that's worth fighting for. But what if taxpayers are paying for new schools and for land that is privately owned? Because this is where we're now at. To date, the private religious sector have usually demanded running costs and these have now, in some cases, outstripped those of the local public school. But now Mr Elder and others are demanding and obtaining public money for private property. So his electioneering from the Victorian Catholic Education Office has had its effect, even if Mr Elder himself has become a liability to his church. And he's probably leaving his office. Well, he's on leave, isn't he? Because we now discover that the Victorian government is investing $120 million to build and upgrade Catholic and independent schools across the state, matching dollar for dollar the sector's contribution over four years. So that actually could be more than $120 million, couldn't it? The government is working closely with the Catholic Education Commission of Victoria and the Independent Schools Victoria to ensure available funding is targeted to the areas of highest need and grants will be targeted at improving the condition of schools and creating more spaces for student learning. I'm here quoting from Mr Andrews' uh, media releases himself. And that's going to be in three rounds. And um, I know it's a little bit boring to have lists, but listeners just might be a bit interested in these lists. You can certainly, through our press release, go up in the sky and see what these lists are. But I assure you, they are very extensive. 
In round one, you've got uh, about 20. In round two, you've got even more. And in round three, you've got certainly even more. And the vast majority of them are Catholic schools, but you've also got Casey Grammar School and Geelong Lutheran College and Gilson College, which is up at Mernda, which is Seventh-day Adventists, in the round one. How on earth round one, Gilson College, needs capital funding is beyond me since it was um, very well funded and uh, laid out in the first place by the Uniting Church before they went broke. But um, you also have Our Lady Star of the Sea Primary School in round two, uh, which is going to get um, almost from the beginning, it's going to be a brand new school. Yes, there's a large, large number of them. And this means that public money is now being diverted not only to the running costs of the private religious sector, but into the assets which remain in the ownership of the religious organisation. Since many private schools are also used for church purposes because the faithful are not putting the money in the plate anymore to build new churches... Taxpayers are being asked to not only directly subsidise religious activities, but to increase the asset wealth of those organisations. So much for separation of religion from the state in Australia. So the dogs are very concerned about this new development. It's not only happening in Victoria, it is certainly happening in Queensland and I suspect it's also happening in Tasmania. Whether it is as yet happening in New South Wales, we don't know. But it is a very worrying, deleterious development, not only for public school parents and teachers and others, but for Australian taxpayers as a whole. This is opening up a Pandora's box which lasts for more than 25 years uh, and we've been put into debt, as it were, for another 25 years uh, in order to keep what should be in public ownership, public control, public maintenance, public responsibility. We are beholden to private organisations which could go belly up tomorrow. And what happens if that happens, one wonders. But um, that's enough for me for the moment. Let's have another break and then I'll hand over to Robert.
Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. I know we go around the house with music here on the Dogs Program. It's very eclectic. That was um, uh, Charles Gounon, and that was from his opera Faust, Immortal Glory. The story of Faust is an interesting one. Um, yes, we might go into it, but all I'm saying is that the private school lobby in Australia, uh, in the process of making the mistakes that he made, um, I would say, without little argument, um, that the education funding system in Australia is fundamentally corrupt. If you think of the word corrupt as having the greatest benefit for the smallest number, that's the way we distribute money for education here in Australia, the greatest benefit for the smallest number. Um, during the last couple of months of 2018, there was, and we haven't really dealt with it in great detail, and I haven't got time now to deal with it in great detail here, we might come back to it, but what happened was in the last couple of months of 2018, um, there was a very bit of argy-bargy between the state governments of Australia and the federal government. The federal government wanting to give as little money as possible as they could to the state schools around Australia and make sure that the private school lobby got all the money that they wanted. Now, the states, while not directly disagreeing with this, because state governments aren't necessarily pro-public schools, um, which is a weird thing, isn't it? Now, the governments of Australia aren't interested in um, funding appropriately the education system that educates the majority of Australians, but that just is the way it is in Australia. Um, they were a bit upset because the federal government was taking money away from them. And so they had this big argy-bargy. So initially, what happened was that the federal government under Dan Tan um, set up to swindle the state or all of the children of Australia to the tune of about $16.5 billion to, to not give them $16.5 billion over a period of about 10 years. Um, these figures I'm quoting are from Trevor Cobalt, the Save Our Schools organisation, and from a press release that he released on the 30th of November in 2018. Now, what happened was that all the states said, yeah, all right, we'll take what we're given. 
And that's often the case with state schools in Australia. They go, oh, look, we'll, we'll take the slops off the table and we'll do what we can with it. Everyone do that except for the Victorian Labor government, who recently come, have been re-elected to power with a vastly increased majority. And they said, no, 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 we'll, we'll take what we'll take, thank you very much. And that majority was because of the state school vote and, of course, in, behind the scenes they'd paid off the private school interest, as we've now found out. So in the middle of December, leading up to Christmas, Commonwealth and state education officials spent the weekends back then hammering out a deal which could break the current impasse because the Victorian government says, well, if you're not going to give us money for state schools, we're not going to fund private schools. Now, the federal government said, what? 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 You're not going to fund private schools? Oh, my goodness, that would be terrible, said the federal government of Australia. The federal government of Australia's primary concern in this debate was to make sure that private school students got their funding. Strange and fascinating, but that's the way politics works in Australia. Um, and so what they did was, and this is, I'm now quoting from an article by Benjamin Miller in The Age on the 16th of December late last year. Um, he understands that the offer was considered um, by both cabinets, both state and federal, and what happened was that Mr Molino said that his government had been very clear it would not be signing up to any multi-year agreement that would deliver less funding for private school students than those of the private school students, public and private. He said, and I quote, Scott Morrison has been belligerently trying to ram a dud deal through for months. He said it would have condemned Victorian public school students to less funding than they deserve for years to come. And Mr Tian, the Federal Education Minister, said on Sunday night that discussions with the Victorian government remained ongoing and are being conducted in good faith. Now what happened was that the independent and Catholic school people have been growing increasingly anxious about the standoff because they weren't going to get their money. And so they went up to the federal government and said, we've got to have our money, please. So Michelle Green from the Independent Schools Victoria and whoever it is that um, uh, Stephen Elder's replacement is, I'm not quite sure because he's on leave due to behavioural issues. Um, and so what happened was that the Victorians did get their money. Now, Victorians got their money, which meant that the people up in New South Wales said, hey, hey, oi, oi. We, special deals, special, special deals, deals for Victoria, said New South Wales. What about our money? Well, if if standing out to the federal government, it's kind of, well, we're, we're going to do it as well. So on the 21st of December, just before Christmas, the New South Wales government act up and said that then they're now going to say, well, if Victoria's going to get it, then we've got to get it too, followed by South Australia and Queensland and Western Australia and Tasmania and the whole thing's getting rather interesting because the state school lobby for the first time in a generation, is now starting to organise itself. And the state school lobby was significant in the re-election of the Andrews government in Victoria. Now, as many people around Australia will say, Victoria is a special case. Who cares what happens in Victoria? We're just a bunch of progressive, liberal, lefty, libtards, uh, snowflakes, whatever we're supposed to be. Oh, no, 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 no. The, the public school interest down here is nothing on what it is in New South Wales. Nothing. Well, yes and no. Um, but basically <laughs> I'm saying that what's happened is that the Federal Education Minister, Dan Tan, is now going to have to have state education funding as a significant election issue leading up to, leading up to, the, to the federal election. And we're just going to watch this space. So that's basically what happened. Um, and the New South Wales state election, which comes first in March. Indeed. We live in very interesting times. Very interesting times. Let me have a little bit of a break now. But in Precy, that's what's going on um, with the state and federal things. That Things are shifting and moving. I think we're going to have a few more little um, messages from all the other wonderful shows here on 3CR. 
So it's uh, Community Radio on the AM Dial, when I'm going to give you a little bit of financial advice about how to educate your child and what school to send them to. I know it's very arrogant of me, but bear with me. What I have to say might make some sense to you. Lest we forget, join us to commemorate the 177th anniversary of the execution of the two Indigenous freedom fighters, Tanaminaway and Morbohina, at the Tanaminaway and Morbohina Monument at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street, Melbourne, at midday on Sunday the 20th of January 2019. Walk with us after the ceremony to the Queen Victoria Markets to their last resting place. Please bring flowers. The first hour of the ceremony will be broadcast live via Community Radio 3CR. If you can't join us for the ceremony, listen in to 3CR midday to 1pm on Sunday the 20th of June. Hi, I'm Jeff Tobin from Jazz on the Saturday, which is presented by the Victorian Jazz Club every week here on Community Radio 3CR. During the month of January, on Wednesdays between 2 and 4, I'll be sitting in for Kate and Susie, who are having a well-earned break, and uh, I'll be presenting Jazz, Blues, Western Swing and a couple of specials on women who have made a great contribution to Jazz and Blues over the last century. And Kate and Susie will be back with you on Wednesday the 13th of February. Until then, enjoy the jazz, blues and western swing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dogs Program. And uh, we're having our little financial advice segment here with me, Robert. It's good to have the company. Um... Many parents come up to me, and in fact, just recently, a parent who's a colleague of a colleague of a friend of mine came up to me, and she was beside herself. She has young children, um, and she is a firm supporter of the state school system, has been, even though she herself was not, um, she, she really wants to support the system. And she said to me, and I don't often have, have this said to me, she said, I value my child's education, and the state school system actually needs people like me to enrol my child in the state school system so the school itself ends up being as best it can, which is also good for my child. I thought, oh my goodness, a selfless parent. Um, you don't come across those very often when it comes to these decisions, but she was. But she also said that she was getting a lot of pushback, a lot of, well, it wasn't abuse, but she was getting a lot of grief from a lot of her colleagues and friends who were saying, look, you've got an income. And you're not going to send your child to a private school. Are you making the right decision for your child? Are you making your child suffer just because you have an ideology? And she was beside herself. She said, well, I, I just want to do the right thing for my child, but I want to do the right thing for the children. And she was beside herself. And I gave her some advice, which I'm going to give to listeners now, which is a very simple thing. She said, many people, when they send their child to a private school and many parents do, many parents with an income say, I'm going to spend that income on sending my child to a private school. Now, they'll say they do it for many reasons, but the one reason is that they want to do the best for their child. And in Australia, if you want to do the best for your child, the perception 
but not the reality. But the perception is that you should send your child to the most expensive private school that you can get your child into. That is just, in the world of aspirational middle-class Australia, a truth. And part of the justification of this, and it's always fascinating whenever I hear it, is that I love my child and I don't mind making that sacrifice. And they talk in terms of giving and sacrifice. Um, now, I won't, go, I won't go into, as I sometimes do, the, the, the concepts of sacrifice and Christian schools and values and all that sort of stuff, which seem to go hand in hand for some reason. I'm not quite sure. But, but the advice I gave her um, was very simple. I said to her, I said, work out between yourself and your partner the most expensive private school you can send your child to. So work out how much money you are willing to sacrifice because you love your child. Use the argument that private school parents make. Work out how much money that is. Put it in the bank. Then put it in the bank. Thank you, Jean. Then put it in the bank. Now, since I had that conversation... I've come across some really interesting interesting articles, some interesting figures. We're always talking about figures here on the Dogs Program, aren't we? Well, we try not to be a fact-free zone. Um, there's an interesting article on the 26th of December on Boxing Day, strangely enough, by Pallavi Singhal and Sarah Kiernan. And the article is that Sydney private school fees hit $38,000 per annum per child for the first time. How many people make that that amount of money per year? Well, some people obviously do because they send their child to these schools and they pay this money because you can't send your child unless you pay the money. Or now, the grandparents Skeggs, pay yeah, it. Or someone pays it. Skeggs Darlinghurst. If you want to send a Year 12 student to Skeggs Darlinghurst, you have to cough up $38,214 in tuition fees in 2019. That's that's a school in Sydney. It's a it's a very prestigious one. It's a girls' school in the Sydney's east, and that's a two point five percent rise up from thirty seven thousand in twenty eighteen. Even though they've got more money from the federal government. Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Zinia said, and and this is where I think it's interesting. The top private schools are charging more than twice the amount required to educate your average student. So this money is more than enough just in itself twice as much as you need to educate a child to a gold standard in Australia. Skeggs, by the way, also receive around about $6 million from federal and state governments every year. So I'm also paying for those children to go to that school as well because I'm a taxpayer. Now, Dr. Zignia says, according to the needs-based formula, they're getting twice as much as they need. It's a private industry, he says, and they can charge as much as they want. He says they're fair to do so, but he says they shouldn't expect... Us, the taxpayers, who can't afford the fees to send our children there to actually pay for that education as well. For instance, the King's School in Sydney has a net income of $46 million, which is around about $30,000 per student in 2016. Um, In comparison, the nearby government school, Cumberland High, has a net income of around about $9.6 million for the entire school, which is around about $15,000 per student, and has no fees, of course, because it's a public school. Um, Now, the thing about this, and I think it's fascinating, I I, I really do think it's fascinating, the thing about this is that private school fees have risen since 2013 by 9.1%, no, sorry, by 27%. 
0.7%. CPI increases 9.1%. So the cost of stuff since 2013 has risen 9.1%. But the increase in fees for these schools over the same period of time is on average for the richer schools around about 25% or more. 27.7% for King's schools, St Andrew's Cathedral School there on George Street up in Sydney. Fees rose 26.6%. So the fees for these schools are going up over twice the rate of inflation. I have a very, very strong memory of a Dr Kemp in Howard's government saying they had to give more money to these schools so that they could lower their fees. And all we have seen since then is more and more and more money going in and fees climbing, 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 climbing. So, having said that, if you are someone listening to this program who is capable of spending $38,000 on your child's education because you love them very much and you value the education system and you want to do the best for them, put it in the bank. bank. Then put next year's fees in the bank and then put the fees after that because interest rates are, you know, over the next 12 years, which is how long it takes to educate a child, interest rates will fluctuate between about 2 and 4%. And as you know, CPI increases will go up as well. If you do that, if you put the school fees you would have paid into the bank after 12 years of a child's education, you will have, and I've just done it here, I've just done the figures, you will have between $600 and $900,000 in the bank with your child's name on the account. So when they have finished year 12, they will have between $600 and $900,000 to their name. Now, you don't know when your child is born, what your child might want to do. They might want to buy their own business and start. They might want to buy a house and live in it. They might want to do two degrees and pay for them both up front. They might want to do what they... But what you have done for love of your child, for the love of your beautiful child who is born, who you care for and consider to be important, you have given them the best start you can financially in life. On top of this, I will say to you, all of the studies in Australia and around the world state that when it comes to how important your child's education is, is it's very important. How important is the school they go to is almost insignificant. If your child goes to the the local state school, their education will be statistically the same results as they would have got if they had gone to the local very expensive primary school, private school. In very simple terms, that is my advice. Don't send your child to a private school. Put the money in the bank, and then you can love your child appropriately. So next time um, your peers come up to you and say, how come you're not sending them to the, to the local private school? Explain that to them. It might make them look a bit stupid for having not taken my advice, and you will get blowback. I'm, I'm afraid you can't not get blowback, but what will happen is that you will have done the best by your child. Now, of course, speaking about state schools, it comes to our, my favourite segment, which everyone waits for, which is the Great State School of the Week. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the DOGS program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent, or if you're a kid, or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever, and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. 
Brunswick Secondary State College. schools are great. Harkaway Primary great School. Sunshine North Primary They're School. really concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning. You, got, like, you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got vis- physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually, an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs. More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia. Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school. Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the weekly uh, assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a, a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, it is actually... So, so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom. Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning. Quite a range of intellectual ability and kids with mental health diagnoses. Refugee kids, kids who have not been in the country very long, don't necessarily start off with a Positive great relationships with each other, with teachers and with the community. And they run a, a breakfast club. There's a recognition that some kids don't get breakfast and so there's, there's food on... If you are involved in a state school and it's a great school, we'd love to hear from you so we can talk about it and tell the world. Leave a message for the dogs at 3CR on 94198377. State schools are great schools. Great state schools. Bogan. Bogan. Bogan Gate Public School. Bogan Gate Public School is the great state school. It's up in New South Wales, but I'll tell you what, this place is awesome. How much does it cost to educate a child at Bogan Gate Public School? It costs $85,000 per kid. What? How can that possibly be valued? Because Bogan Gate Public School is in the middle of nowhere. Bogan Gate Public School has 11 kids. Bogan Gate Public School has two teachers. <laughs> Bacon Gate Public School has three assistant staff which add up to about half a half a half a week's work. Bogan Gate State School or Public School is just an amazing place. Bogan Gate Public School is exactly what the state school is and should be doing, which is that private schools don't go out there. There's no money in it. Independent schools, there's no money in it. And yes, there's school of the year, and yes, there's remote learning, but sometimes you just want to have a little state school at a crossroads the middle of nowhere where 11 kids turn up and two teachers do their best they can. It's an amazing place. It's, it's a actually, bush girl with its hat on its head. It is. Bogan, it's, it's 20, I'm oh, sorry, it's about 40k, about 25 mile west of Parks. Okay, the school has a culture of coordinated improvement supported by committed staff and a supportive local community. The parents are so involved. The PNC Association is tiny but mighty. And it works collaboratively with the school to provide all the resources and, of course, to subsidise excursions. Excursions in a remote are, are the most amazing things. The Bogangate Public School in Bogangate, New South Wales, 25 mile west of Park, was participated in the State School Spectacular up there in New South Wales because they say we learn and grow together, but to reach out and do things with not just your own community but other communities up there in New South Wales is the way to go. Yep, they've got interactive whiteboards, they've got iPods, they've got computers, they've got all the tools they need for the investigation and learning and creation and interest-based learning. They're encouraged to participate all across a whole range of extracurricular school and community activities, including robotics, coding, they go into University of New South Wales competitions. They have public speaking competitions. And, of course, they have a range of sports. They can't even field an entire soccer team. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Bogan Gate Primary School 
that that's exactly what the state school system should be doing. How much does it cost? I don't care. I don't care. I might, you know, is that a waste of taxpayers' money? Absolutely not. Is it paid, you know, are they paid more than the gold? Yes, they are. And do you know what? They need to be because you've got to have two teachers out there, not just the one. And from my mind, if you're in a remote situation in a remote school and you've got two teachers, that's the minimum you need, certainly to support each other so that they both can stay there, or at least there's continuity. Nothing worse than just having a single teacher school and the teacher comes and the teacher goes and the teacher comes and the teacher goes. They've really nailed it. Um, what about the kids? All 11 of them? None of them come from the top quartile. One of them, or half of one of them, comes from the middle, upper middle quartile. 85% of the kids in the school come from the lowest quartile. These aren't rich squatter kids. No. These aren't squatters kids that go there. No, these are kids from the bush. Most of them are boys. In fact, when I say most of them, there's a couple of girls. <laughs> but I tell you what, as a great state school, the Bogan Gate for me is one of those stand-up poster schools of what the state school system should be doing and what the state school system is doing. And I have to say... I don't care how much it costs. Oh, the kids turn up, by the way, and their NAPLAN results, they're fine. You know, they're, they're good with their exams and they, they do trips all over the place. They're going to get a better education than most kids in private schools in Australia, I'll tell you right now. It's a primary school, and good luck to them. So our great state school for the week is Bogangate Public School up at Bogangate in New South Wales. Welcome back to the Dogs Pack, email 3CR855 on the AM dial and podcast on the WWWs. Um, and, of course, on our, on our own website, www.adogs.info. That's A-D-O-G-S dot info. That stands for Australian Defence of Government Schools, D-O-G-S. Look, we've still got just a little bit of time. I want to talk about Adelaide, Adelaide Morse. Adelaide Morse is a student. Adelaide Morse is a journalism student. Adelaide Morse is a journalist is writing on training.com.au, which is an apolitical sort of um, sort of TAFE technical affair education. And she's written an article. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Published just last week. She said, when it comes to government funding, public schools are missing out. This is just, I mean, it, this, we at the dogs have been doing this for three and a half decades. And we were out there on the fringe, we were being called all sorts of things. We were being called sectarian, we would be called ratbags. But now, in the mainstream, we get this sort of stuff on sort of really not, not at all political sites where she says, with the recent announcement of funding for private schools, government schools and the government funded provided them versus their independent school counterparts is gearing up to be one of the most divisive topics in the upcoming federal election. Because, and as I said before, it's just a bit stupid. Now, the thing about corruption, and, 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 she, and I'm going to say it again, the thing about corruption is that corruption benefits people. You don't have a corrupt situation unless somebody benefits. And in Australia, the funding system is corrupt. 30% of the population who send their children to private schools are benefiting from the corruption in the funding system. So they're going to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, values and things and a choice and public, private, something, something. Um, the 60% who don't benefit from it and, in fact, are, are, are suffering from it are just starting to arc up. And she says, it's, she says the official government document that's just come out, she said, and she's read it. She's just a journalism student. She said, describing the choice and affordability fund doesn't give specifics of fundings and costs. There's no – everything's a bit vague, she says. 
And since the previous education minister conceded that private schools were in fact overfunded, that's Birmingham, the question remains whether the announcement and dedication of money will actually assist students in achieving educational equality. Now, the big question about the federal government at the moment, the one we currently have, is are they interested, is the current federal government interested in achieving educational equality? And the answer is no. Is it interested in getting re-elected, I would say? Well, that's a separate question. But if they're not interested in that, then they're probably not interested in being re-elected. Then the question comes to the opposition. The opposition, are they interested in achieving educational equality? Now, they say they are. But as we point out again and again, the Labor Party at the federal level and the state levels, what they say and what they do are very, very different things. Um, this is, a, As I say, it's a wonderful article. I recommend it. I'm going to put a link to it on our website. Um, it's at www.training.com.au. Deeply political. She concludes that she said the public school funding needs to be increased, she says, not passed over in order to create funding arrangements, which schools were in some cases. They have expended to doubled private schools, the amount of funding per student compared with the local state schools. She's done the figures and gone, what's going on? Craziness. Anyway, um, you've been listening to The Docs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. It's been wonderful to have your company. Um, we've had a bit of we've had a bit of Gunnar, we've had a bit of Ferdy, we've had a bit of jumping up and down about stuff as we normally do. We hope you'll join us next week, of course, because we keep going through the summer break. But if you're interested, as I said, in what we're talking about, you can contact us at our website, www.adogs.info. But until next week, when we have to come back, because we have to keep fighting for state education, Until next week, it's bye for now. I dreamed I saw Joey here last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, just as I am standing by my bed, they framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I did, says Joe. Says, killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I. Takes more than guns to kill a man, says Joe. I didn't die, says Joe. I didn't die. And standing there as big as life and smiling with his eyes. Says Joe, what they can never kill Went on to organize Went on to organize From San Diego up to Maine In every mine and mill Where workers strike and organize It's there you find your hill It's there you find joy.
brought you here last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead I never died, says he So